When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Today, we have Elise Ahrens. She is the co-founder, right? Yes. And CEO of Francis Valentine. I don't want to leave a co out, you know, because there's usually somebody <laughs> very instrumental as well that maybe you don't know behind the scenes. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about this because I'm going to let Elise tell you her background, but you're going to be surprised to hear one of the companies that she started and uh, was the founder of. So, with that, welcome. Thank you for joining today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, of course, on this rainy New York day. Um, so let's start with talking about this company that you um, were a founder of. So the first company uh, was Kate Spade, and there were four of us. It was Kate and Andy Spade and Pamela Bell and myself. And we started that business back in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were dead broke when we started, basically. But we had this idea. It was actually Andy who came up with the idea because Katie and I had always wanted to have a business when we were in college together. And Andy, Katie had been an editor at Mademoiselle Magazine. And Andy said, why don't you guys start your own business? And she was like, well, what do you mean? We don't know how to do anything, really. He was like, yes, you do. <laughs> you know what's good. You know what you like. And you're an accessories editor, so you can do this. So Katsu, they called me. And we started in, you know, in their apartment and Katie actually did all of the original legwork on um, the shapes of the bags and finding the materials. And she did all of that by herself. I still had a full-time job. And in the meantime, we met our other partner, Pamela, you know, it just happened and we took an office and things just started to grow and we did trade shows. And all of a sudden we have this business, this big business, you know, it was kind of Camelot to us. It was a, it was a real dream come true. And it just, the growth every year was incredible. And it was like lightning in a bottle, right? I mean, was. I remember 1994. So like, I remember a few years later, I was just getting out of school and like, that was my first bag that I bought because I could afford it. And it was like, looked good. It looked good. I had to wear a suit, you know what I mean? And it looked good. Um, and it was something that I can afford, but it was just, I mean, it took off out of nowhere. Right. So how did, oh, yeah. yeah. So how did you guys know to make it the bag, like a bag instead of like, you could, I guess, what other accessories, but you know what I mean? 
Well, it was Katie's idea because she was an accessories editor. She really saw what was not out in the market when she went out looking for things. Mm -hmm. And so she had the idea to make this very simple sort of American shape with really great fabrics. And some of them were men's suiting fabrics. And our, some of our first bags were made out of potato sack materials, burlap. Um, and we made them interesting. We got trim that made them a lot of fun. And um, But the first one you're probably talking about is the nylon bag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we, we used untraditional materials for sort of very American square shapes. And I think that's what made it really take off. There wasn't anything else in the market. And Katie had that eye where, you know, she was so discerning about things. She was really such a great editor and it just took off. And all of a sudden, you know, we were at that office basically 24 seven, we would go home to sleep and come back. And it was a good thing, you know, that we didn't really have small children or other responsibilities outside of work because it just took all of our time, but it was the most exciting time. It was really fun. So you basically learned on the job, obviously. We did. We did. And, yeah. and we had each worked in the fashion business. Um, Pamela had done production before I had done marketing before and public relations and, you know, Katie with her really great eye was an excellent editor and Andy provided, you know, the ideas and the humor for all of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that goes into, yeah. And that goes into the, um, you know, when you're, when you have co-founders, it's like, you all need to have different jobs and specialties, right? You can't be like the same person going, Oh, we, we do the same thing. Well, who's going to like create the product? Who's going to market the product? Who's going to do the business side of it? Who's going to talk to the accountant and the attorneys? Like who's doing all these things, right? And it's like so right. important when you're starting a business to have and understand what those different, you know, business lines are that you need to, you know, cover and take care of. Exactly. And then hire in to fill, you know, those gaps, right? And so how'd you guys get the initial capital for that? Uh, we didn't. As I said, we were broke. So we were constantly, each of us took turns paying. We made everything in New York at that time. So each of us took turns paying our manufacturers every yeah. Friday. We, and I would go take money out of my visa card to pay the contractor. And it was, you know, we all took turns. So it was just one of those things where thank God it paid off later mm -hmm. because we had enough money to pay ourselves back for the first two years. And then, you know, all of a sudden business quadrupled. We hired a, a financial consultant who used to come in like once a month to visit us. And after going to uh, several banks to try and get a line of credit, nobody would give it to us because they're like, you have no history and you know, you've got $10,000 out on your own personal visa. We're not going to extend a credit line to you. We finally, through the financial consultant, got a line of credit. And it was through um, Republic Bank at the time. It was very friendly to fashion businesses, mm -hmm. but the financial consultant really helped us, you know paint a picture of the trajectory of the business. So they took a chance on us, but right. we secured $150,000 line of credit and you know the rest is history. We, but we never took money, outside money from anyone, which is extremely difficult to do. Yeah. I don't think it's possible to do today. Yeah. Um, but just because with Francis Valentine, we have had raises and yeah. it was necessary. It's a necessary part of doing business today.
So, yes, like you said, the rest is history. Kate Spade like totally blew up. And then you ultimately your exit. We'll talk about your exit on that. So we um, you know, grew the company year after year. And we ended up after 13 or 14 years selling it in uh, December of 2006. We stayed through 2007. And, um, you know, at that point, we all had children. We were kind of excited to have time off just because we'd been doing this for so many years. And uh, so we took time off, had our kids, had fun, volunteered at school, all of us. (laughs) And we were out to dinner about five or six years later, celebrating, I think, my birthday. And we're like, what what would we maybe think about getting back into the business. And we all laughed about it, but there was some real truth to it. And we we thought we should meet and talk about this. So we decided, this was probably 2012, 2013, that we were going to do it again. And it got a slow start. We had the kind of luxury of taking our time. And Andy said, if you don't get a, if we don't get a business space, this is never going to happen, but having to pay rent will force <laughs> so us true, to right? do it. So he was right. So we found this gorgeous space um, right on Bryant park and rented that space in 2014. And then what he said was actually true. We were like, okay, now we've got this space. We really need to make this business happen. So we, you know, got everything together, got samples made, did everything. And we launched in uh, February of 2016 and we had uh, shoes and handbags to start and, you know, the business was good. I think retail at that time selling to wholesalers was, you know, they weren't having such a good time of it. So mm-hmm. we really put a lot of energy into our e-commerce business. And we thought, okay, a 50-50 balance would be great then. And, you know, our e-commerce business ended up providing a lot more of the business, um, which was great learning for me because I'd been out of uh, the whole industry for so many years. All of us had things had changed a lot. Yeah, um, overnight. When I left Kate Spade, when we all left Kate Spade, under 20% of the business was done on e-commerce. It was really mm-hmm. thought of as kind of a stepchild in the whole business, but um, things had changed drastically. And now we knew we had to put a lot behind it. So yeah. um, it was it was really good learning. I'm still learning today everything about the e-commerce business. There's so many new things all the time to learn. Let's touch a little bit about the name, right? Yes. So why did so you... we had so many different names that we were thinking of when we started this. And there were two names in Katie's family that we really loved, one on our mother's side and one on our father's side. We really wanted to incorporate the name Valentine because that was her her grandfather on her mother's side. And we also really liked the name Francis. So in the end, that was the favorite of all the names we were considering. So we called it Francis Valentine. And we thought, okay, this is this woman who is your sister, your best friend, your favorite aunt, um, your mother, your grandmother. It's this woman who is independent and free-spirited and, and has great style and is so cool. She's that woman you really admire. And that's who this woman was going to be. And but like a little bit what we were talking about before also, you know, how the name like naming it after yourself or using a name that is, you know, yours and then you ultimately sell it. Right. Right. So, yes. And, you know, we obviously could use the name Kate Spade because sold that name um, when we sold the business, Um, you know, lesson learned at that point because it was challenging for us because Katie was a part of our business Mm -hmm. and um, we wanted people to know she was, you know, working again and coming up with these great designs. And yet we couldn't really use her name. So I think 
you know, a good thing for any listeners. If you're thinking of starting a business, don't call it yourself unless you're never, ever planning. Don't use your own name unless you're never, ever planning to sell it. Um, it's better to have something, a name by you. Exactly. Just, right. Just because it's hard. Because, you can't move on using your name. Right. Obviously right. with the trademark, they bought that, but also it's like about being the, you're always going to be that face. Right. And you're always, if you ever want to go into anonymity, like it's very difficult. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, here you are, you were an owner of Kate Spade. You still get your, and you know, you get all the benefits and then the, like, why can't I say anonymity? Today? <laughs> You can remain anonymous. How about that? Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then start something else, right? Based on this. And so, so you go and you start Francis Valentine and things have changed drastically, right? Yes. Um, e-commerce is a really big part of it. So how is it different regarding the funding? I mean, you guys all did it, you know, by yourselves then. Why can't you do that now? So, well, we, at that point, you know, we really had the luxury of funding ourselves because we were able to, we were more mature at this stage of our lives. And um, so we self-funded, you know, Francis Valentine and we were doing fine, but after um, Katie died in 2018, there was, we really hit a crossroads and, and the team and I sat down and we were like, do we move forward? Do we do this, you know? in a big way, do we move forward? And, and really, what should we do? And we decided that we would, and that I think that's what Katie would want to. So at that point, I thought, well, if we are going to move forward, then we need to raise some capital. And yeah, I had a lot of doors open just because I've been around the block a little bit and had done this before with our previous business. So, you know, we started, I started knocking on doors and talking to people and with our deck and, you know, it came down to, we were still very small and our products are for women and there aren't a lot of women investors out there. So the people we were talking to are primarily men. And although they liked the product, they, they saw that the business had growth potential. Most of them said, come back to us after you have 10 million or 15 million of net sales. And maybe we can talk you know, I think this is great. And they were all very kind to give their time. But in the end, you know, as much tenacity as you have to continue and keep going out and knocking on doors, it just, for small businesses, it's very difficult for anyone under $5 million, which we were at that time, it's really challenging. So we instead did a friends and family round. And we went to I shouldn't say we, cause there wasn't a we at that time. It was me. <laughs> so I went yeah. to, you know, a lot of close friends who, um, you know, were very supportive of, of our business and we raised around. And then uh, two years later, we'd really seen the growth and we raised another round and it was a few more outsiders who weren't close friends and family um, who contributed to that one. So it really made a huge difference. And, and I felt lucky to be able to have those contacts at that time. Yeah. Um, but I think fundraising continues to be challenging for women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was something I could do about it. We could do about it collectively. There just aren't enough women who are willing to invest in women-owned businesses. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're not willing. I'm, you know, it's just really difficult because all eyes are on them to, you know, to succeed. Right. Yeah. 
And it's really hard to just invest in women when we don't have the track record. Although all the statistics state, you know, that that we have better returns and um, and quicker returns, you know, it's still the cycle. There's not a full cycle. And so when, you know, LPs, basically the people who invest into the funds, limited partners, you know, are mostly men, then, you know, they want to make returns for them to prove them. So it's all like this trickle down effect of like, I have to prove I can make it, you know, like, you know, here's the, you know, I only get to see so many female founded companies and then like, how am I going to make sure that they're going to succeed? And, you know, I think, um, I think it's just an awareness, A, and B, like we discussed, like women who have this wealth, like, don't just put it all in charities or philanthropic, you know, endeavors, like invest in women, like invest in female founded companies, you know? And I just think having the conversation over and over again, is just so important to really like drill it down and really like spread that wealth out because it's my friend, Lindsay from the helm always says, it's like when women have money, they're asked to give it away. And when men have money, they're asked to invest so they can like propagate their own money and their own wealth. And we need to start doing that as well. You know, because a lot of these charities were started because of the greed of white men. Like <laughs> when you really think about it, that's why. So not all of them, obviously. And I'm not saying they're all necessary. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, maybe the white men should be, in, you know, giving to the charities and the and the women should be investing to help build their own wealth. But that's a whole other topic. Anyway, <laughs> so so you're in there. You finally got some money. You've noticed that the whole business of retail has changed, even though like, you know, not even like barely a decade before you'd been doing it in a totally different way. Right. And so you see that there's other revenue channels that you need to focus on. You want to talk about that? You know, a lot of women that listen to this podcast are definitely in retail, you know, and talk about like your experience with it and, you know, how you need to balance all of those different channels. Yes. So um, at the end of 2018, when we had that raise. We also decided that a storefront would be a really great way to showcase the brand. And maybe because of my history at Kate Spade, but I felt like an omni-channel business was still really the way to go. And our e-commerce business was driving the company. We had our wholesale business, but I felt like retail was so important so people could come in and and have a place to really experience the brand. And I still feel like retail is extremely important Mm -hmm. um, to our business. So it is really hard and really expensive to do all three, (laughs) but it's completely worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the best way to go about doing it is bringing in great people and you have a great team of people. They're really competent in what they do, but their goal is not for their own division of the company, but the company as a whole. And I think that has to be in everyone's hearts within the company to, that it's for the, the greater good and not just for my e-commerce division or my retail division or my wholesale division. We, we share so much information, communication, we share inventory across all channels in our business. And I think it's key to our success. And, you know, we're, we've seen growth in all three of the channels and, you know, company-wide 
2020, 2021 was phenomenal. And we're you know, planning a lot more growth in 2022 as well and growing each channel as they need to. So I know we saw a huge amount of growth for everyone in the e-commerce channel you know, during the pandemic. Yeah. I, of course, I was out looking for store spaces when everybody else was at home. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, we were able to jump on that and we ended up opening. We will now have five stores by mid-April this year because we were able to open a lot of stores during the pandemic and get them open and running. And, you know, people as human beings, we want to be social. We want to be out. We want to be doing things. And I just had this feeling because I was feeling it myself. I want to go out and touch and feel things and go into stores and go to events. And as soon as we're, you know, able to, so we've been able to uh, do that during COVID. And so I think that's been really important, but all three channels really have to grow and support each other. Yeah. I see that like my daughter is just her nine and she's always just seen clothes online. Right. And then like, she just started asking if she could go into stores and pick her own clothes right. and try them on. And like, we just did it last week at Zara and she was so excited. Like she loved it, you know? And we forget that like for us, it's like, Oh, we did it forever. And now it's just like so easy to just go like, we know what fits us. We know what we like, et cetera. And then, you know, some of the places make it so easy just to send it back. But like for her, it's like super exciting to go into a store. You know, we have to think about all the different generations and what they have gone through, you know? So those three channels are very important. Like, you know, I personally don't go into like a Bloomingdale's or a Macy's or a Nordstrom, like really that much at all. I spent my entire life in them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so you have to think about, well, if I live in XYZ town, that's what I'm doing, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's really hard. And it's hard to like keep track of all three of them now because you used to only have to focus really like on one or two. And and then some people are solely like e-commerce and then thinking about like, oh, do I, you know, sort of store or how I deal with, you know, all of those things. So, I mean, it's really great to hear how you're balancing that. And then I think the other part of it is, is making sure that everybody who's in charge of it is not like, okay, I, my budget and I exceeded. And so, you know, it's like everybody's got to be in it for the brand and helping each other. And you incentivize them in a way that when the whole brand succeeds that everyone succeeds, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it comes down to bringing in the right team. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's probably hard to find that though, because I'm sure there's younger generation that doesn't have as much experience with wholesale, right? It's true, but there are a lot of veterans out there who do. Um, So we um, have had the same core team since the beginning. During COVID, we pretty much like everybody else had a, had a hiring freeze, but after COVID kind of subsided last summer, we were finally able to hire more staff because we were all wearing five hats and everybody was kind of run ragged doing so many jobs. So we've been able to hire some specialists in certain areas that have really made a huge difference for us. And so where are your retail stores? I want people to know where to go. So we have our first one on 73rd and Madison. Uh, our second one is Sag Harbor, New York, in Long Island. Our third one is uh, Palm Beach. And I'm going in order of when we opened them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so our third one is uh, Palm Beach. Um, we're in Via Beach off 4th Avenue. And uh, we opened Houston last fall in uh, the River Oaks District, which is just a beautiful outdoor shopping area. And we plan to open our Southampton store in about two weeks on Job's Lane in Southampton. 
You are right. Amazing. So. Just in time for summer. I know. Summer season. <laughs> God, please get here soon. Um, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it is time. It's over time. It's past time. So, you know, I think it's so important for people to understand and, and hear that, like, you've been through this already once. You're starting again and you're still learning, right? And it's yes. not like you were, you know, you're still learning. You're seeing how it is to be a woman in business. Obviously, you know, we want to encourage women to continue to do this. What are some things that you learned in this that could like help them when they're doing it to not make the same mistakes? If you made mistakes. Um, (laughs) Oh, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes every day. Um, (laughs) I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to put that in your mouth. You know, I think, you know, probably my number one mantra is stick to your guns. Yeah. And if you've got something you believe in, that you really believe in, in your heart, stick to it. Don't let anybody tell you that it can't be done mm-hmm. or that you have to do it their way. Right. Um, because I think we all know that that's not true. Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, one of the things that uh, was one of the you know worst pieces of advice. There are many pieces of advice that I've gotten before, but um, luckily I didn't act on many of them. One of them was, you know, we had a financial consultant helping us and he would come in about once a month and just go over the books with me and say, you got to shut it down. It's just, it, this isn't going to work. And it was right after Katie had died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just me basically running the company with the team. And so to hear that from someone who you respect so much to shut it down. And it was the hardest thing to not take his advice mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time, because I was like, okay, I got to raise several million dollars to keep this going. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask friends for it, which is really hard. What if you lose it? There's a 50-50 chance you're going to lose their money. And so it's terrifying. But luckily, that has not happened. And we've been very successful and things are good. But uh, so it's sort of like follow your own course. And one of the things I used to say is don't spend money you don't have. And so we are still very frugal about everything we do. And we really think about the return on any money we spend, even though, you know, we might have money sitting in the bank and we're like, oh, we're, we're doing great. Right. You really have to think about times when it might not be so great. Like what happened during COVID? That was a struggle yeah. for our business. And so many, you know, lost their businesses because of it. We were, you know, fortunate and I'm knocking on wood right now. We were fortunate during that time. But, uh, you know, there, there are so many pitfalls, but I, my number one is probably stick to your guns. Yeah, I, that's a really common theme in in all of the companies, female founded companies that we talk to here is that like follow your intuition because there's going to be a lot of people telling you like not to do it, you know, that you're not equipped to do it, that'll never work. But, you know, you you thought of it for a reason there, you know, there is a need, there was like something that was in there and, you know, you're proving them wrong, right? One of my favorite lines is um, from a woman um, who started this uh, new breast pump that's coming out any day now called Babyation. And she, when she would say to investors and they would just like pass, she was like, oh, well, I hope, you know, thank you. And I hope to be your biggest regret one day. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes. Yeah. And we'll be talking about it. Okay. We're like, Oh, who passed on you uh, on your billion dollar company X, Y, and Z name them, you know? Well, look, I actually always ask this question uh, at the end and you already answered it, which was like, what is your, like, you know, what's the worst advice you've ever received? So I don't want to end it with that, but I do. What I want to ask is, how do you see growth and expansion? Like, what does that mean to you? Is it a product line? Is it 
Um, just everything, all three of the segments growing. Is it retail? Like, I, so know. I think it's a combination of things. It's all three segments growing at a healthy clip, you know, organically on, you know, for, for each, I mean, e-commerce is, is more developed than say our retail business. But so, you know, I think each one of those kind of growing at its own pace. Mm-hmm. And then we've expanded adding product categories, which has been, it's so much fun for me because it's natural for us to go into something we really love. So mm-hmm. home entertaining is one of those things that I love to do. So we're working on different home pieces and we're also, we've, we've done a whole like beach umbrella and beach chairs and like really fun things that make us all happy because it's about summertime. So, um, and we're, we've got a few things that I can't talk about that are coming out next year that are really exciting and fun. But I think it's, it's slowly adding product categories when it's right for the brand and the growth of all three of the, of the different areas of business. Here's one question and then I will let you go. Um, <laughs> how do you know when it's not working? What product category? Like you're just like, okay, we can't do that again. Let me think. Well, if there aren't sales, if you put marketing behind it, if you put some real uh, money behind it and real effort behind it and your consumers just aren't interested in it. Yeah. I think that's one of those things. Yeah. And I can't think of, of something that's happened with Francis Valentine that way. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of something that's happened this time. I know, you know, at Kate Spade, we tried a couple of different things that were just really out of our bandwidth. We did some children's pieces at one point because everybody was like, oh my God, can you imagine if those were for babies or for toddlers? And we made them and we made them out of cashmere. Now doing baby clothes out of cashmere to me in hindsight is ridiculous (laughs) after having kids. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So we spent this fortune on this whole kids line and our head of product and I were just talking about it the other day because she was at Kate Spade with us and, and is with us at Francis Valentine. But we were laughing about it. We we're like, do you remember when we tried to do that? So um, it's helped me at Francis Valentine to think, to give it a lot of forethought on will that work or won't that work? And, you know, we've got some veterans with us too who lived through the old days with us. So yeah. um, I think that's been really helpful. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's great. So yeah, instead of uh, ending on what's the worst advice, it's like, what's the worst product idea that you had? Because you know what everyone had. And yes, having twins, I can't even imagine cashmere. It's like, send this to the cleaner. Like, no, no. Like, give me some cotton. I'm going to use 10 of them in a day. That's and they're right. going to wash to hell. That's so, And that cashmere is- one's going to get framed and put up on the yeah, wall. Exactly. That's a one-off for a photo shoot. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. So you said where you can go and shop, you know, in store, in person, right? So how do people find you otherwise? So it is www.francisvalentine.com. Amazing. Go shop there. Go check it out. And what if people want to find you? They want to work for you. They want to know about more about you. How do they? On that same website, there is uh, a section where they can reach out. And I see most of those that come through for employment and for press. And so that's how to reach us. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. We love, you know, everything that you're doing. And I think that our audience is really going to love all of your advice and your inspirational story. So thank you for that. Everyone else, thank you for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.